All right, so it's good to see you guys tonight. If you happen to be new, I just want to say that I'm glad you're here. With only two weeks left, what a great time to come. I'm glad that you're checking us out, and hopefully you'll be back next year and you keep going with us on this journey. And if you're back tonight, I said this earlier in this series, but it's so good to have you here at the end of the year. You've been sticking it out with us. It's been such a crazy journey for me and for our team over the last year as God has been really stretching us in some unique ways and he's been challenging us to dream bigger dreams than I think we've ever dreamed before, not only for our campus, but for other campuses. If you missed the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how we are going to be adding two new campuses this next year, Upper Iowa University, so you know, Cheyenne talked about that, uh, Chance and Alyssa have been the directors there for five years, I think. And they are transitioning, and they're entrusting us to take over that Chi Alpha, so we're doing that. And then also we are uh, starting a Chi Alpha at Hawkeye Community College. For the majority of the last four years, I've been leading the Chi Alpha here without a team for the most part. We've had volunteer staff members, and, and thankfully there's been different people who have come on the team for short periods of time. But uh, we never had a team of full-time workers who are really in it for the long haul. So this last summer when Pastor Adam, who's our state Chi Alpha director, called me and proposed this idea of taking over Chi Alpha at Upper Iowa University, to be honest, I thought he was crazy. Because at the time, it was only me who was full-time, and then Derek was coming on staff as an intern. And how many know that interns aren't supposed to be directors, right? So, <laughs> And I finally felt like with Derek that I had a full-time worker who's going to be here for a long time. But still, it was pretty crazy to think about doing UIU. And thankfully, this year, Derek has grown a ton. He's a high-capacity leader. If you're not thankful for him, you should be, because he is doing some incredible things behind the scenes. Let's give him a clap. Yeah, he's incredible. He's my brother, so I'm biased, but an incredible leader. He does a lot of things for our ministry. At the same time that Pastor Adam had called us and asked about Upper Iowa University, we began to attract a lot of Hawkeye students. You know, uh, there was no outreach over there. We weren't trying to get Hawkeye students. It just so happened that God was gathering some Hawkeye students. And I'm having conversations with uh, some of our, our network officials, so like the people who are in charge of our network of churches, about doing Upper Iowa. And I'm scared about it, to be honest, scared out of my mind. I'm like, how am I going to do this? And at the same time, students are wanting to start something at Hawkeye Community College. I'm like, are you crazy? We cannot do another campus. I remember talking to the Calpha director at Iowa State on the phone and saying, I don't think we can do two, let alone three. But God was just swinging doors open, left and right. And it was obvious that the Spirit was leading us to do not only one campus, not only two campuses, but three campuses. And, and thankfully, we have three interns coming on the team next year, Casey, Marcus, and Katie. So you're not getting rid of them. Or no, Casey, Marcus, and John. Katie is going to be on the team, too, on a volunteer level. Sorry, John. Forgot about you. I love you. But uh, all four of them are going to be around for a while, though. Um, so thankfully, we're going to have more of a team. But I share that to say that doing this is scary. Taking on three campuses is not logical from a worldly perspective. And most of the time, ministries don't try to take on multiple campuses as far as, like, churches go until they got about 1,000 people in their ministry. Tonight, we probably have about 75 or 80 in this room. But God is calling us to be on the move. He's opening doors. And when the Spirit of God tells you to do something, you can't say no. You can't. I'm sure you can relate. 
being a college student, there are a ton of scary things that God is calling you to do. Perhaps you're making decisions about your major, and that's going to affect you for the rest of your life. You realize you're making decisions that are probably going to dictate the majority of the time you spend throughout the week for 40 years. That's crazy. That's a big decision. We should be kind of nervous about it. Am I making the right decision? Am I putting the money in the right place, coming to you and I, and getting this degree? That is a scary decision. And some of you are exploring the dating world. You're trying to find a spouse. And that is really scary, okay? Because you are going and hanging out with someone and essentially trying to see if they like you. You're trying to see if you like them. And what if you like them, but they don't like you? That's scary stuff. I'm glad I never really dated. Just found a girlfriend my freshman year and said, let's do this. That's great. <laughs> but that's scary stuff. Now, some of you are, are perhaps stepping into leadership in Chi Alpha in this next year. You know, this is the time of year where we're identifying small group leaders and all that kind of stuff. And that is a scary thing to do. You're responsible for other students. And that's scary. You ask questions like, am I ready? You ask questions like, am I going to lead someone astray? Or what if I don't have the time to invest in people? And for others, just being here tonight is scary. Okay, there's a bunch of weird people around you raising their hands in worship, yelling out things that you don't know what they're saying in worship. And it's scary. Being in a small group is scary. You're sharing your heart with people. The point I'm making is every single day there are reasons to be full of fear. There are reasons to be nervous. Every day we're faced with opportunities to say yes to fear and no to God. Our lives give us no shortage of things to be fearful about. But the question we're going to consider tonight is what do we do when God is calling us to do something, but it scares us? And to do that, we're going to continue our series. It's our last series of the year called, called uh, We Can't Stay Here. And this series is all about this idea that God has a huge dream for our campus and for the other campuses or campuses of our state. His dream is to reach the students of the secular university with his love. But to see this dream come to pass, we have to do something. We have to be on the move. We have to share the gospel with anyone who will listen. We have to spend time investing in people and discipling people in the way of Jesus. We have to live with urgency. We have to raise up leaders. We have to walk by faith every day. If you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, this series is based on how the Israelites entered the promised land in Deuteronomy and Joshua in the Old Testament. God had given Israel a dream to take possession of this place called the promised land and to become a great nation so that the world could see that their God was the one true God. God wanted them to establish a nation and be a light to the rest of the world. But to do that, they had to resolve in their hearts that they wouldn't settle for yesterday's victories or stay where they had always been, but instead they had to say, we cannot stay here. If you remember, Deuteronomy is a sermon preached by Moses to, or to all of Israel shortly before his death. And he's urging Israel, he's saying, be faithful to God, trust him, throw your, all your weight into him. If you want to be successful in taking this land and becoming the great nation that God has called you to be, you've got to be faithful. You've got to trust him. You've got to lean into him. See, 40 years before, Israel had freed, or, or Moses had freed Israel from Egypt, or God had freed Israel from Egypt, and they traveled for seven weeks to this mountain 
called Mount Sinai, where they received the laws, and they got to know God. And then they traveled to the promised land for the first time, but they failed to take the promised land. And then they wandered the wilderness for 40 years as they were essentially being judged by God for not taking the promised land. And now in Deuteronomy, or in Deuteronomy they're back in position to try to take the promised land again. And they're hoping and praying, specifically Moses, because he's the leader, and he's like, don't screw this up again. They're praying that they will not fail again. They see the land, but they're nervous that they'll, that they'll make the same mistake as their fathers. In a sense, we are not unlike the Israelites. The hearts of the 12,000 students on this campus and the 6,000 students on our other campuses is our promised land. We are standing on the border of God's promise to reach these 18,000 students with the love of God. However, like the Israelites, there are things that are threatening us from not being, or threatening us from being successful. They're preventing us from being successful in fulfilling God's will. And we've one we saw that complacency can prevent us from reaching our promised land. The sense that we just want to stay on the mountain and not go down the mountain to reach people. So Deuteronomy 1.6 says, it says, the Lord our God said to us in Horeb, or he said, you have stayed, or stayed long enough at this mountain. So Moses is saying, you've got to get off the mountain. And we saw that if we want to realize God's dream for us, then we have to, or have to live with a sense of urgency that, that never allows us to stay in our comfort zone. But instead, we go out, we step out of our comfort zone, and we reach out to people. And then last week, we looked at verses 9 through 18 and saw that there's another thing that can prevent us from being successful and fulfilling God's will, and that is not raising up leaders. In Deuteronomy 1, 12 and 13, it says, How can I bear by myself the weight and the burden of you and your strife? Choose for yourselves wise understanding and experienced men, and I will appoint them as your heads. If you want to reach people, you've got to raise up leaders, okay? You can't do it on your own. Some of you are incredible, but you can't reach 18,000 people on your own. Instead, you have to raise up mighty men and women of God we can take the land with you. Now this week, we're going to see another barrier that can prevent us from taking the promised land and seeing people come to know Jesus. In verses 19 through 33, so I'm going to read it. It says, or so Moses is recounting the first time that they failed to take the land, okay? He said, he said, then we set out from Horeb, and we went through all that great and terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, as the Lord our God had commanded us, and we came to or came to Kadesh Barnea, and I said to you that you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. And see the Lord our God, or see the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. And then all of you came near to me and said, well, let us send some men before us that they may explore the land for us and bring us word again of the way by which we must go up and the cities into which we shall come. The Things seemed good to me, and I took 12 men from you, one man from each tribe. And they turned and went up to the hill country and came to the valley of Eshcol and spied it out. And they took in their hands some of the fruit of the land and brought it down to us and brought us word again and said, It is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. And yet you would not go up, but you rebelled against the Lord or the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, he brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. And where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying, the people are greater and taller than we. 
The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And besides, we have seen the sons of the Anakin there. Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God goes before you. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you, as a man carries his son all the way that you went until you came to this place. And yet, in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents in fire by night and in the cloud by day to show you by what way you should go. Tonight's message is called Take the Land. If we want to take the promised land, we've got to walk by faith. And we've got to say, God's got this. Let's take the land. All right, let's pray. God, I pray that you would speak tonight. Spirit, I ask you to speak through me. I pray that these would not be my words, but that these would be words from heaven. God, I pray that you would speak to every heart about their specific situations, and I pray as well that you would help us to take the land, so to speak. All right, God, we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, first point is this. God wants to give us a great harvest of new disciples. If you've been paying attention the last couple of weeks, all three sermons have started with a point very similar to this. So you're probably thinking, are we going to talk about this again? Yeah, we're going to talk about it again because it's important. I think some of us forget some of you take a nap during my first point. I know what happens. You wake up at the end for worship. I'm kidding. I don't think you do that. Well, hopefully not. But anyways, here's the three points we've had, okay? The first week I said this. I said, God has prepared a harvest for us, okay? Second week I said, God's dream is to fill the earth with disciples. And now this week I'm saying just a little bit different, and this is what it is. God wants to give us a great harvest of new disciples. I keep talking about this idea that God is bringing us a harvest, that he's bringing us fruit, so to speak, or or corn, whatever you want to think of, but God is bringing us people, because the harvest is many people coming into right relationship with God and becoming disciples of Jesus. So there's really two things. One, they put their faith in Christ. He forgives their sins. They become a son or daughter of God, and then you make them into disciples of Christ, where they live like Christ, they look like Christ, and they make other disciples of Christ. That's the harvest. So when we're discipling people, we are teaching them to be a student of Jesus. We are teaching them to follow him. Over the last few weeks, I hope we've established that God wants to make disciples. God loves people. If you didn't know that, okay, newsflash, God loves people. He wants to reach people. God does not want anyone to perish on this earth. God wants us to be a part of this. Two passages that have deeply informed this idea are Matthew 28. says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, if you haven't been water baptized, there you go. It's in scripture. You should do it. You got a couple weeks left. I'd love to baptize you. Okay, keep going. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Okay? And then there's another passage we've been relying on a lot. Relying on a lot. It's from Matthew chapter 9. I love this passage. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest field. This point that God has given us a promise of a harvest is all over Deuteronomy 1. For Israel, the harvest was the promised land. God wanted them to take a land, to become a great nation in hopes that they would lead the world to Yahweh worship, because God's called Yahweh in the Old Testament. That's his personal name. He promised Abraham, the father of the Israelite people, that he would be a father of a great nation and of many people, and that the world would be blessed through him. Taking the promised land was a 
crucial step in this process. And we are a continuation of that promise. If you're a follower of Jesus, Abraham is your spiritual father. Because he lived by faith, and you're living by faith, by putting your faith in Christ. And you are a continuation of that promise of being that great nation. But now we're united under Christ, the faithful Israelite, who came and died for the sins of the world, and then he rose from the grave. And we're building not an earthly nation, but a heavenly kingdom. Through Jesus, the nations can come to know God. God has called us to fill the earth with disciples of Christ so that the world can be restored as people come into relationship with God. This is the heartbeat of Jesus. This is the heartbeat of God. This is why the Holy Spirit has come inside of you to empower you to reach out to the world. In our section tonight in Deuteronomy 1, I noticed something very interesting about this promise of a great harvest. In verse 20 and 21, it says, And I said to you that you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. And see, the Lord has set the land before you, and go up and take possession. Do not fear and do not be dismayed. So the thing I noticed is this. In verse 20, Moses said that God is giving the land to them. He has already decided that he's giving them the land. All you have to do is go up and take possession. Don't fear, just do it. Moses had a confidence that said that they could go up and take possession without fear because the matter was already settled in heaven. God was giving it to them. I believe that in a way, it doesn't directly apply, but in a way, it applies to our mission to reach people. We aren't guaranteed that every person we share Jesus with is going to respond positively. Actually, I venture to say that probably 9 out of 10 people will reject you most of the time. Okay, so a lot of people are going to, to reject you, but at the very least, we know that God wants to reach them, that God loves them, and that he's called us to be part of that. We know those truths. God wants us to give everyone an opportunity to be his disciples. And we cannot control the responses, but we can control our obedience. Think about what would happen if we actively reminded ourselves of how much God loves the people on our campus and wants to reach our friends. What if we had the confidence that said that God is already going before us and he is preparing hearts? I don't think we'd overthink it as much as we do. I don't think we'd psych ourselves out. Instead, we would simply treat each day as an opportunity to be the light of God on our campus and to partner with him and to partner with what he's already doing in the hearts of people. There would be a lightness in our step as we say, this is not on us. God is the one doing the heavy lifting. I'm not changing hearts. I'm just partnering with what he's already doing in people's hearts. It's not your job to save people. It's not your job to convict people of sin, but it is your job to love people and it's your job to share the gospel with people. God is in charge of results, but so many times we don't even obey him. We don't share the gospel at all. It never comes out of our mouth. God has called us to be obedient. If we want to see the great harvest that I believe God wants to give us, then we have to know that God is in it with us. He loves the students on our campus way more than we ever could. He knows everything about them, their struggles, their dreams, their desires, their fears, and this applies to you. He loves you enough to send Jesus to die for you. When Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross, he proved that he loves us, right? He proved that he wants to reach our friends. He gave it all for our friends. He gave it all for us. So guys, the matter is already settled in heaven. Jesus wants to reach your friends. It's not a question. He wants to use you to share the gospel with your friends. And obviously, free will comes into play, and they can reject him. 
but we are called to be obedient, and we are called to share. It's not our job to decide ahead of time if they're going to respond positively. It's not our job to change a heart. And many times you'll simply plant a seed that could maybe not grow ever, or like maybe it will grow in the future. My instructor in Bible college said that there are two great facts of the universe. The first one is this, that there's a God, and the second one is that, is that you're not him, okay? The two great facts. We have to know this when we go out and share our faith. As we venture to Hawkeye Community College, as we uh, try to continue to grow up at Iowa University, Chi Alpha, there's a God, and we're not him, but we're called to partner with him. We're called to be a part of the solution. Last month, we went to Trinidad for our annual mission trip. I hope you enjoyed it if you went. If you didn't go, I hope you come next year. And one of the things we do is we go home to home, and we ask people if we can pray for them. That's all we do. It's really simple, and I love it because we're not going and preaching, although that might happen if they want to hear it, but we're just going and asking people to pray for them. And on the first day, I was in a group of like eight, it felt like, so when you're going to a door and there's eight of you, there's not a good chance that you're going to get to pray for anybody. So I didn't get to pray for anybody. I was kind of discouraged, and we're walking back to the church where uh, we're partnering with, and, and there's a guy sitting on his back patio eating a chicken wing, and he starts heckling us a little bit. And he's not in our neighborhood that we're supposed to be reaching out to. We were walking back, and, and we asked him if we could pray for him. He says, oh, no, 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 I'm eating. I said, okay, and I said, can I give you a track? And he said, sure. He grabs the track, so a track just tells people about Jesus. Okay, so that was on Sunday. On Thursday night, I don't realize it, but I'm in his neighborhood doing the home-to-home stuff. I didn't realize it. And we knock on a door, or call out, because you don't knock there, you call out. And there's a guy who peeks his head through the window, and seriously, he's eating a chicken wing again. It's the same guy. I didn't realize it. <laughs> he's like, go away, I'm eating. I didn't realize it's the same guy. Okay, so we go around the neighborhood, and, and at the last house, uh, we got kind of caught up with him, praying with him, and, and curfew had passed, the sun's going down, and you don't want to be out at night in Trinidad. So our group's hurrying back. And there's a guy standing on, or standing on his patio, and he comes down to us, and he leans over the fence and says, hey, what are you doing? It's the same guy. I didn't realize it at first. And, and he asks us what we're doing. I'm like, okay, this is cool. And we start sharing with him. It's the very last house and the very last day. And, and he begins to share his story, how he was in church for a few years growing up. He hasn't been in church for 40 years. And we just got to share the love of God with him. And, and we had to get going because it's curfew. But I gave him, or told him, I said, do you still have that track I gave you? And he said, yeah, I do. I said, can you promise me that you're going to read it? And he said, yes. And that's all we did. We prayed for him and we left point is, God obviously wanted to speak to him that week. I didn't do anything intentionally. I walked by the guy twice. One time we tried, but he was eating a chicken wing, so of course you can't talk. So point is, God wanted to speak to him. All we had to do was just be obedient and go out there. To be honest, nothing crazy happened that week, but it was, or at least for me, for other people it did. But it was just a week of being obedient and praying for people, and I would love it if, if we would do that as a campus ministry like where we wouldn't carry the weight of changing people on our shoulders, but instead we just share the love of God with people and give them opportunity. We can't control responses, but we can give people opportunity. Throughout the first three weeks or, or two weeks, well, now three weeks, we made it abundantly clear in this series that God has prepared a great harvest and he wants to reach our campuses. We've even talked through some barriers. So, so far, the first week was lack of urgency. The second week was not having enough leaders. But now this week, there's a third barrier. And this leads to me to my second point. If we want to reap the harvest, we must choose faith, even in the midst of fear. When the Israelites arrived to the promised land the first time, they forfeited their opportunity 
to take the promised land by overthinking it and by not walking by faith. It says this in, in, in verse 22. It says, Then all of you came near me and said, Let us send men before us, that they may explore the land for us and bring us word again of the way by which we must go up and the cities into which we shall come. The things, or the things seemed good to me, and I took 12 men from you, one man from each tribe, and they turned and went up into the hill country and came to the valley and spied it out, and they took in their hands some of the good fruit. Point is, but you would not go up, but you rebelled against God's command. And then in verse 28, it says, Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying the people are greater and taller than we, and their cities are great and fortified up to heaven. And besides, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. Despite the fact that God already told them that he was giving them the land, he said it's already done, they would not obey him. And they wanted to spy out the land first to make sure. Like, we do that so oftentimes. Like we're like, okay, God told me to do something. i got to figure it out first in my own head before I obey him. We do this in so many areas of life. God calls you to change your major. Well, i got to look up and see if I make enough money. God calls me to be a leader in his kingdom. Well, I have to make sure that I figured everything out. God calls us to be single. Well, that's not what I had planned. I was going to be married by 22, don't you know? Instead of obeying what God has called us to do, we sidestep him and we say, let me spy out the land first and let me make sure it makes sense to me. We often do this when sharing our faith with our friends too. Before sharing our faith, we want to determine their response ahead of time and obey accordingly to our judgment upon them. Are they ready? Will they respond? Then I'll share they seem to be open, okay, I'll share. But if they're not open, if they're not like clean cut, then I, I don't think they'd respond positively. We tend to overthink reaching our campus. We overthink reaching out to our friends. And we decide for people. Again, it's not our job to decide for people. We must simply obey our master and our king, Jesus. We must obey him. That's all we're called to do. The Israelites found that the land was good, as God said, but they still did not obey because the other guys were bigger. Because their cities were taller or more fortified. And what they failed to remember is that the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, is much bigger and taller than their enemies, and he can crush their fortified cities in an instant. Oftentimes, when faced with adversity or fears, we look at the mountain in front of us and tell God that our mountain is too big when we should look at the mountain in front of us and tell it how big our God is. And we must say, I may not understand how God is going to do it, but I know that he is able. He's proved himself. And when we look at our campus and we consider the hostility or the indifference that people have towards the gospel, we should not automatically assume that the campus would not come to know Jesus. We are underestimating the power of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. We should not cower in fear and disobey what Jesus has asked us to do because of our own ideas and our finite minds. Instead, we should look at the campus and our students who don't know Jesus yet with love in our hearts and say, my God is big enough to change even the furthest heart. Anything is possible with God. The greatest hindrance to this campus being reached is Christians who are full of fear. We have two main fears. Fear of failure and fear of rejection. We fear that we'll fail if we try to reach out to our friends. We fear that we won't be very good at it. Fear of failure can be dismantled if we remember that our success is determined by our obedience, not by their response, if we share, then we're successful. Every time you share God's love with someone, you're successful. And we also fear rejection from those we share with. Fear of rejection, though, can be cured 
if we, if we remember that when people reject our message, they are rejecting Jesus. They're not rejecting you. And even if you are rejected, remember that when you're rejected, you get to, in a strange way, identify with Christ in a way that you cannot in any other way. Because he was rejected in the worst of ways. And you're getting to taste that a little bit and experience what it's like to be like Christ. In the early church, in the early church fathers, sometimes they wanted to be martyred. It's really strange, but they wanted to be martyred because they thought that that would be a way to identify with Christ in a way that they could not in any other way. I'm not telling you to wish for that for your life. I'm just saying that rejection sometimes can be bittersweet. You get to identify with Christ who loves the world so much, and yet the world rejected him. We must choose to go up and do what God has called us to do, even when we're scared. If we let fear dictate our lives, we're going to miss out on what God wants for us. When I was asked to be the director here at Chi Alpha, I was 22 years old. And some of you are like, wait, I'm 23. And I felt unqualified. My only experience in ministry was being a Chi Alpha intern, and what that meant for me was I led a small group, which many of you do, and I served donuts at church which is usually what the old ladies are supposed to do, but I got asked to do it. Praise God. Many of you do more as student leaders than I did as an intern. However, I knew in my gut that God was calling me here. I was scared to ask people for money, which is a big part of my job, if you didn't realize that. I don't like talking on the phone, and I had to call pastors all around our state and ask for money. Not something I enjoy. I was scared to get hurt by people because ministry sometimes can hurt you. I was scared to reach out. I remember that first summer, it's funny, Katie Crack shared and, and John shared. I was just trying to reach out to anyone I knew, and it worked out well with those two. But I was like, please, will someone come to this thing? I felt so full of fear, but I knew that God had called me to do it. And I hate to think about what would have happened if I had not obeyed the command of Jesus, if I had said no to him, because I'm too young, I'm not qualified. I don't know if Chi Alpha would exist here at UNI anymore. I'm not sure if it would. I'm not saying it wouldn't, but I'm not sure that it would. It was in a tough place when I came. I'm not taking credit for your salvation, but I wonder if some of you would have gotten saved and come to know Jesus. I'm not saying I'm the reason for your salvation, but I'm saying that a simple yes to God can change eternity. It can change the world. One simple act of obedience. I may not change the world, but I may reach someone who does. And that'll change the world, so hey, I get to take credit for that. But I have to say yes to him. And you may not change the world, but you have to say yes to God because you don't know who you're supposed to reach. I think we've all heard a lot about Peter, right? Peter, the disciple, great church leader. Well, he was reached by Andrew. Nobody knows about Andrew. But humble Andrew went to him and said, hey, will you come and see Jesus? Some of you are called to be Andrews, but you're too afraid to take that step. One act of disobedience can have devastating impacts and ripple effects on our world. I share that to say that the promised land of changed hearts is good, it is ripe, and no matter how much the odds seem to be stacked against us, we must remember that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few here at UNI, at Hawkeye Community College, and at Upper Iowa University. And we are not called to, de- or to determine people's responses. Instead, we are called to walk by faith and share with anyone who will listen. And we also must remember that nothing is too hard for God. All right, but the question remains, how do we muster up this faith in our gut? Like, how do we get it? How do we get faith in our hearts? I can't just turn it on, okay, I'm full of faith now. How does it happen? Well, I'm glad you asked. Verse 29 through 33 gives us a hint of it. 
Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way you went until you came to this place. And yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God who went before you in the way to seek or seek you out a place to pitch your tents in fire by night and in the cloud by day to show you by what way you should go. Third point, last point, the presence of God enables us to have faith. The spies said that the people of the promised land were too strong and their cities were too fortified. They were full of fear because of the size of their opposition, but, but Moses implores with them. He says, do not fear because what? Because God fights for you. And I did not plan to do Surrounded tonight. Derek and I did not talk about that. So I'm just saying, I think the Lord is trying to speak to us. God will fight for you just as he did in Egypt, just as he did in the wilderness. God has carried you in the past as a man carries his son, and he can surely do it again. This brings up another important point. Once you have a history of walking in relationship with God for a period of time and, and watching him help you through things, you can actually look to the past and say, if he helped me then, then he can help me now. And Moses looked back and said, okay, God did it then. He can do it again. But the danger is if we get to a place where we know what he did in the past, but it doesn't affect us now, like we forget or it doesn't inform our present, Israel failed to let their powerful past with God affect their presence. His deliverance in Egypt was a distant memory. Guys, we must never get to a point where we just fondly remember the past and what God did there, but failed to believe him for great things now and in the future. Heath Adamson said this. He said, we must refuse to have our memories be greater than our dreams. I don't want my memories to be greater than my dreams. I want to be on the move saying that God has more to do. The best is yet to come. I know it sounds cheesy, but I believe it. I believe that our dreams need to be greater than our memories. Instead of letting our memories with God just be fond memories, we must allow them to push us to believe for more. And for those of you who have followed Christ for a while, I want to ask you, do you remember what it was like when you first believed? Do you remember that awe and wonder that welled up in your heart as you encountered the love of God for the first time? I implore you, let that feeling, let what happened then inform you now to reach out to people and say, I have to share that love with people. In verse 33, Moses recalls the way that God had walked with them through the wilderness. He says, who went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents and fire by night and in the cloud by day to show you by what way they, where you should go. Moses remembers how God led them through the wilderness, how his fire led them through the night and his cloud led them by day. They didn't get to choose where they went. They simply followed the marching orders of God and they, and they walked closely with him, trusting him for every step of the way. For those of us who follow Jesus in this room, we have an even more intimate and present guide than that. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of your heart if you have confessed faith in Christ. And the New Testament says that the Holy Spirit is our helper, which means to be our advocate or our guide or our comforter. He's the one who convicts hearts. He's the one who's gone before us. The key to getting over our fears and stepping into faith is realizing that the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God is with us. He is fighting our battles. He is with us, and we cannot outrun his presence. There's no valley too low or mountain too high for him. So no matter what God is calling you to do, whether it's changing your major or making a hard decision, remember that if God 
is calling you to do it, he will see you through it. He'll walk with you. His presence will enable you to have faith. When it comes to reaching our campuses, we have to know that the Holy Spirit is already working. He's already going before us. He's already fighting for the hearts of freshmen who will come into these doors this fall. He's already working on them. When we sleep at night, God is still pursuing hearts. When we're doing homework, God is working on hearts. When we're at home for the weekend, God is drawing people to himself. He works 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He's always working on the hearts of people, seeking to woo people to himself. The redemption of hearts is not on us. He is going before us. We are simply called to be his ambassadors and to share his message of good news with anyone who will listen. And we can realize the presence of God in our hearts and in the hearts of those we're reaching out to, I believe we can have faith to reach our campuses and to do what God has called us to do. We need to cultivate intimacy with the Holy Spirit if we want to walk by faith and obey his promptings. We have to know that he is at work before, during, and after our conversations with people. Before we ever get to a person and share our faith with them, God has already been dealing with that person. And when we share our faith, God is giving us the words to say. And after we're done sharing our faith, the Holy Spirit continues to work. The sad thing about our story in Deuteronomy is they never properly dealt with their fears. They just let them sit there and, and never dealt with them and rejected them. And they failed to realize that God was with them and that God was fighting for them. In verse 32, it says, Yet in spite of, the, in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God. This fateful decision led to 40 years of wandering around in the desert, accomplishing nothing of any good. So let me ask you this, what, what act of disobedience for you could lead to 40 years of misery? Guys, you're making decisions right now that are going to affect you for the rest of your lives. You can't miss it. What decisions are you making now that are going to negatively affect you for 40 years? My prayer for us as a people who represent Jesus on our campuses, is that we would not allow fear to hold us back. And specifically that there be no person in this room who allows fear to hold you back from sharing the love of God with someone who needs it. I pray that we would deal with our fears and put them at the feet of Jesus. Confess them to him, give them to him, and allow his supernatural presence to, to motivate us to do what he's called us to do. All right, so the main idea tonight is this. If we want to reap a great harvest, we have to choose faith over fear. We have to. Many of you came in here tonight, and fear is just having its way in your life. Maybe fear is preventing you from, from reaching out to this campus. Satan has lied to you. He's told you that you can't be used to reach your friends. I think of it this way. He's tried to put a muzzle on your mouth because he knows that if you speak, it'll be powerful. He's tried to harden your heart and say, ah, this isn't for you to share your faith. I pray tonight that you would encounter the presence of God, the Holy Spirit who says, I will fight for you, I will go before you, and that you would open your mouth and let Jesus speak through you. It says in Matthew chapter 10, we'll look at it in a small group this week. It says, don't be anxious for what you are to say, but instead, trust that I'll give you the words in that moment. Guys, it's not on you. Maybe you'll go and share your faith with someone and you'll sound like an idiot. It'll happen. I've done it many times. I try to sound spiritual and then I'm like, I don't know what I'm saying. This doesn't make any sense. They don't understand what I'm saying. But it's not about that. It's about being obedient. I'd rather have you 
go around campus, mumble, bumble, and never say a coherent sentence about Jesus, but you're trying, and sit there silently and protect your reputation and feel like, oh, I'm all good. But then when you sleep at night, you feel a deep discontentment because you didn't obey the prompting of Christ. I pray that you would obey his prompting every time. I pray that I would. I can think of a time last week I missed it. He prompted me to reach out to someone. I saw someone I knew. I went out for lunch, and he doesn't know Christ. He's a student here. I could have invited him to Chi Alpha, but I had small talk and missed the opportunity. I pray that we would not make those mistakes often. I pray that that would be a rare thing that happens when we're on a weak spot, but for the most part, where we would always be open to sharing our faith and inviting people in the community. But for others of you, maybe it's not that. Maybe that is what it is, but maybe it's something else. Maybe fear is preventing you from obeying Jesus in another area of life. God's asking you to do something scary, maybe, to do something that's not natural for you. I pray that you wouldn't miss what he's asking you to do because in my short experience of life, I've seen that those times that I step out of the boat, so to speak, and I do things even when I don't see what God is calling me to do or don't see how it's going to happen, those are the most beautiful and wonderful times of intimacy with God as we're kind of on the water, so to speak, and he's helping us walk. We're obeying him and, and seeing his will come to pass. I pray that you would allow the presence of God to spark supernatural faith in your heart and that you would obey him every single time. No matter what he says, I'm obeying Jesus. Because you trust that he has numbered the hairs on your head, that he loves you more than anyone does. And if he's asking you to do something, then he's going to have your back. Do you believe that he loves you? Do you believe that he's for you? Do you believe that he wouldn't ask you to do something that's not good for you? It's something we should believe if we're followers of Christ. He gave his life for you. If you believe that, then every time he tells you to do something, it should always be yes. I pray that we would be a people who say yes to God and no to fear. And finally, I think there might be some of you here tonight who need to put your faith in Jesus. You know, maybe, or maybe you've never put your faith in him, or maybe you have in the past, but you need to recommit your life to him. If you're honest, you don't really know where you stand with God. You don't know what would happen if you died today. You don't know if you'd be with Jesus or, or where you'd be. And your sin has separated you from God and has prevented you from having right relationship with him. I'm here to tell you this. If you haven't heard this yet, I'm here to tell you this, that Jesus came. He lived the perfect life. He stretched his hands out on a cross, his arms out on a cross, and died for your sins, paying the penalty for every terrible thing you've done. Because of his sacrifice, if you put your faith in him, then the gap between you and God that's been created by your sin can be bridged and you can be connected to God through the sacrifice of Jesus. Your slate is wiped clean. You're called forgiven. You're called free. You're called a son, a daughter of God. And not only that, he didn't only die for you, though, but he rose from the grave. And that's good news, right? Jesus defeated death. He went into a grave. His body was dead, and then he rose three days later. That should change some things about the way we live. If we really believe in a resurrected Lord, that's what God did for you. All right, so if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to give you an opportunity. If that spoke to you, if this invitation to follow Jesus and, and to accept his sacrifice on your behalf spoke to you tonight, I want to give you a chance to put your faith in him and just to trust him. Maybe you've done it before, but you need to recommit. So what I'm going to do is count to three. And when I do, I just want you to slip up a hand to God and say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I want to follow you. So one, two, three. Slip up your hands all across this room. I see that hand. 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 There's a lot of hands going up. All right, you can put your hands down. I'm going to pray for you a simple prayer of repentance, a simple prayer of throwing your weight into Jesus. 
And I just want you to pray in your heart, whatever you, uh, whatever you want to say to him. Maybe it's just, hey, I trust you. All right, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, I thank you that, that you came and you stretched your arms out for us and you died on a cross for our sins. God, I pray tonight that you would make new creations all across this room. God, I pray that you would take us from being orphans and call us sons and daughters. God, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins and, and give us a new life and a new heart. God, we love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, so for all of us in this room who have put our faith in Christ, so maybe you just did. Okay, this applies to you now. God is calling us to be a people of faith. He's calling us to tell fear to go to hell. To say we're going to follow whatever Jesus tells us to do. So for some of us, it's making a tough decision. And for others, it's saying yes to God, even in the midst of that scary decision. But for all of us, it's saying yes to going to our campuses and reaching them with the love of God. All right, so stand with me. What I want to do right now, if you're comfortable, if you're not comfortable, that's totally fine. But if you're comfortable, just raise your hands to heaven. And I just want to pray a prayer saying, God, we're here. Send us to our campuses. Help us to reach out to our campuses. All right, Jesus, tonight we ask you to crush fear in our hearts. God, I pray that you would give us a boldness and a supernatural faith. I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would empower us to be your witnesses at you and I and at Hawkeye and at Upper Iowa University. God, I pray that you would empower us to be your witnesses in our families and in our hometowns and across the state. God, I pray that this group of students would change the world as they reach out to people with your love who then reach out to people with your love. God, we love you. In Jesus' strong name we pray, amen.